Hey there, wealth builders. You're listening to episode number four of the Real Estate CPA podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Hall, and my whole goal is to help you understand the world of finance, accounting, and taxes so that your real estate businesses and investments can be run more efficiently and profitably than they ever have before. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and if you're looking for a killer CPA to come in and help you out, roll on over to the client's page and set up an appointment. The first consultation is free, and I promise that you're going to learn something. Let's do it. All right, so we're going to start off today with a short story. Um, it's, it's about LLCs and whether or not investors and flippers should be using LLCs as they continue to build out their business or their rental portfolio. Uh, if you would have asked me this question two months ago, I would have told you what is the, it seems like the standard advice, which is to get a big umbrella insurance policy, be a good landlord, treat people fairly, and you won't get sued. You'll be fine. However, the story that I'm about to tell you is going to kind of flip that on its head. And and I'll I'll tell you why in a second. But before we do, just some quick announcements. Feel free to go download our property basis and depreciation calculator. You can find it on the main page of therealestatecpa.com. And feel free to join our newsletter. We would love to have you. Basically, if you if you join the newsletter, it just keeps you updated updated on our content releases, podcasts, web webcasts, and things like that. And if you have any topics that you would like discussed on a podcast, or if you would even like just see it written about on the blog, feel free to email me at contact at therealestatecpa.com and we'll take it and run with it. Okay, so back to the story. So like I said, if you would asked me this about two months ago, I would have just said, you know, be a good landlord, get the insurance. And that is kind of like the standard advice. However, after hearing this story, I will never say that again. And keep in mind, too, that I'm not an attorney. I'm just a CPA. So this whole podcast should not be taken um, as legal advice. It's simply my opinion and what I've seen other investors do. So I was talking with a client of mine and he was telling me about one of his real estate investor friends. Now, this guy is from the Midwest uh, and he owns about three million dollars of real estate. And I I guess being from the Midwest, I'm not really sure what the culture is down there. But basically, the guy was thinking if 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 I do everything right and I treat people correctly, then then people will also treat me correctly and fairly. Um, And it's worked for him for 30 years. He's he's. nearing retirement. And like I said, he's built up this massive portfolio and it's taken him a long time to get there. He never set up an entity structure at all. So he kept his, he kept all of his real estate in his personal name. Um, He's got a separate business and I think that's in an entity, but he was just always focused on being a good landlord and treating people fairly. And that worked for him for 30 years, right up until the point where his son has basically ruined everything for him. So his son had a little bit too much to drink, drove home, got in a car accident. The person that he got in a car accident with was in critical condition. Um, a lot of medical stuff happened. I'm, I'm not really sure to what extent or the details of that. But that family of, of the girl that, that, that his son hit ended up suing his son and also him. And so what we have here now is that the father, the real estate investor, has all of his assets exposed, his $3 million of real estate that he's worked so hard to build up over the last 30 years is now exposed and it's wrapped into this lawsuit. And it's simply because he did not have an entity in place. Now, I don't know if it's if it's just simply because he doesn't have an entity in place, but that plays a big part of it. And so now he's exposed his entire portfolio to this risk. 
so to kind of circle back now, what I tell people, I, I, I tell my clients this now and in, any new client that calls up, they always ask, Hey, should I get an LLC? I'm a real estate investor. Should I get an LLC? And I used to say, you know, this not being legal advice. Um, no, you don't really need an LLC as long as you are planning to get an LLC at some point in the future. I always thought that it was a good idea to get an LLC at some point, but a lot of people focus on getting an LLC before they even begin. And I'm not really sure that I still agree with something like that. But once you have an asset, once you have that rental property, you definitely need an LLC. And if you're a flipper, you definitely need an LLC. And it's not so much to protect to protect you from the business. So like if you're a bad landlord or one of your tenants falls and, you know, just something like that, it's not, I don't see it as much as being, well, let me protect myself from my rental properties or from my business, but more so being let, I, I want to set up this LLC to protect my business from me, my rental properties from me. Because those random things, especially when you have kids, these random things that can cause immense liability do pop up. And they might not pop up for you, but they do pop up. And there, I, I was doing a lot of research after I heard about this story, and there's a lot of other similar court cases like this one. And so, what I tell people now is just to think about an LLC as a necessary cost of doing business. You might as well just go ahead and establish it so that you can sleep well at night and just know that if anything random happens, you at least have some form of protection. So then, you know, the next obvious question is, well, if I'm a landlord, do I get an LLC for every property? Do I get an LLC for every state? Uh, how does that work? And, you know, again, not legal advice. From a tax perspective, it's not going to matter because everything's passed through with an LLC. Even if you're a partnership, everything's passed through. And we'll actually get to the complications that a partnership can lead to here in a second. Um, but what I've seen people do is, depending on your risk tolerance, you can have an LLC per rental property, or you can have an LLC per state, or if you have investors, you have an LLC per investor or per investment group. And that tends to work out pretty well. And if you're flipping, you know, I would definitely recommend some sort of entity structure. So what I've seen working with flippers is they'll have a parent LLC, and then they'll have subsidiary LLCs that the parent owns. And what this does is, is it allows us to tax the parent as an S corporation, um, because remember, an LLC is going to be completely passed through, has no tax effects unless you tax it as an S corporation. And we, we tax entities as an S corporation in order to avoid self-employment taxes, at least on the tax side. There's a bit of legal stuff on the legal side that I'm not qualified to speak of. But on the tax side, we use an S corporation to avoid self-employment taxes. So what flippers will do is they will have a parent LLC that will potentially be taxed as an S corporation. And that parent LLC will own subsidiary LLCs and each subsidiary LLC will own one flip. So what I've seen my most successful flippers do is they will flip a property in an LLC, that subsidiary, that child LLC. And whenever they sell off the property, they will actually close the LLC. And I've asked lawyers about this practice. And from my understanding, basically what happens is when you close the LLC, it cuts off liability from that one flip from potentially affecting all of your other flips. So if you had that LLC open and you continue flipping in that same LLC, then the first flip that maybe you did five years ago when you didn't have the best business practices in place and you didn't really know what you were doing, that first flip could come back to haunt you. And it could even five years later, 10 years, I, I don't really know, but it could come way back and, and really just crush you potentially when your business is doing really well. 
So that's why they tend to close the LLCs after each flip. And I kind of agree with that practice. If you think about it, it makes sense logically. And, you know, it, yeah, it might cost you a thousand bucks to close it and then open a new one, but it's just a necessary cost of doing business. So I've also seen investors uh, creating an LLC that is a partner with like a limited partnership um, or an, even another LLC. And I asked an attorney what the point of this was. And the attorney basically explained to me that if, if you have two partners in an LLC or an entity, it makes it much more difficult for creditors to come after you. But if it's a single member LLC, it's a lot easier for creditors to come after you. So if for whatever reason, if you're declaring bankruptcy or you're defaulting on loans, uh, the creditors cannot, it's just much harder for the creditors to come in and seize your assets if you have a partnership. And so I've seen some of my bigger time investors or my bigger time flippers even or developers um, create like some sort of a partnership structure entity structure where, you know, they still own 100% of the business. It's just a matter of through which entity. Now, the only problem with partnerships or, or an LLC taxed as a partnership when there's more than one member is just that it becomes a little bit more complicated from a tax perspective. So it's not going to affect your tax liability. An LLC, even if it's a partnership, is completely passed through. So it's not going to affect your bottom line tax liability, but it will affect the cost to prepare the tax returns. Because when you have a single member LLC, it passes right through to either Schedule C if you're a flipper or Schedule E if you are an investor. But when you have a partnership with more than one person, you have to file a partnership return. It's actually called Form 1065-1065. And that form costs quite a bit more. It, it adds to the tax bill probably to the tune of $750, I would say at a minimum. And the reason for the extra cost is just because it's more, it's more complicated to prepare. You're now preparing an entity's return rather than it passing through to the individual return. And then the same goes for an S corporation. So if you're, if you're an S corporation, regardless of if you're a single owner or a multi-member S corporation, um, it is also much more complicated to prepare than a simple single member LLC. So you will also see an increased tax bill associated with preparing the S corporation's return. And remember that an S corporation is just a tax classification. So you are still going to have a base LLC or even a C corp if you want to go that route, but you'll still have a base LLC. It will just be taxed, recognized federally and in some states as an S corporation. And another interesting issue with an LLC is financing issues. So LLCs generally have to season for a period of two years. And by season, I mean they have to be showing business activity and more specifically profit. Without that two-year period, banks will generally not lend to that LLC. So you, it's not like you can go start an LLC and just go start buying real estate in the name of the LLC banks will actually ask you to personally guarantee any loan that the LLC, um, any loan for a property that the LLC is taking on. And on top of that, you might be paying higher interest rates because at the end of the day, the bank knows that investment properties are going to be the first thing that people let go in times of financial trouble. They're not going to let go of their personal residence. They'll let go of the investment properties first. So if you're definitely buying through an LLC, banks will charge you a higher interest rate for something like that. And so there are two ways to kind of get around this. The first is to contribute a lot of capital to the LLC or contribute assets to the LLC. If the banks see that you have assets or a lot of capital that they can potentially use as collateral, then they'll be a little bit more likely to lend to a brand new LLC. I still even haven't seen it done that often, but it does, it does happen, especially it depends on how much you're contributing, uh, but it does happen. 
And then another way to kind of get around it, which I've seen a lot, is to buy property in your own name, like a rental property, set up an LLC, and then transfer the rental property into the LLC. And I'm not going to comment on whether or not this is a good method. All I'm going to say is that you have to be careful about the due on sale clause. So when banks lend, they generally have somewhere in the mortgage a due on sale clause that basically says anytime that the title transfers ownership, the bank has the right to call the loan. So you could be facing a situation where you transfer the property into an LLC, the bank realizes that and then calls the loan. And now you have to somehow come up with whatever the loan amount is. Of course, I don't think that banks are necessarily going to call a performing note, especially in this type of an environment. But if you think about it, if you have a 30 year note, interest rates are at historic lows right now. So if interest rates rise over the next 30 years or whatever the length of your note is, your mortgage, if I'm a banker and I'm trying to reapply capital, I'm going to say, who can, who are the easy notes that we can call? And it's going to be all the guys with the due on sale clauses. So if I can reapply a three and a half percent note at six and a half percent or seven percent, and you give me this super easy option to call this note, I might be inclined to do that. Now, again, I don't know if banks will actually do that. You know, if you've been a longtime customer and you've been paying on time and the note is performing, it brings down the risk profile of the other notes that your note is bundled with, but it's still something to consider, something to understand that, hey, in the event of rising interest rates, if I do transfer my rental property over into an LLC, the bank could potentially call the mortgage and then I would have to figure out how to come up with that amount of money. And that's all for today. So if you like the show, please go to SoundCloud, leave us a review, like us, retweet, whatever. I'm still trying to figure all that stuff out. Um, I, we'll be on iTunes. I know the other couple couple shows I said, leave us a rating on iTunes. Uh, we're not on iTunes yet, but we will be here within the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that. And then like us on Facebook and Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, we'd really appreciate the support. The more people that we can reach, the more effect that we're going to have and the more value that we're going to add. And that's the whole goal. Uh, but thank you very much for listening. B-Hall signing off.